Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who could do that too, if they had those tools. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it is show number 498. It's Wood Talk, baby. On today's show, we're talking about paralysis by analysis. Wait, an yeah, that's right. It's just sounded funny to me reading it that way. Uh, the best way to learn woodworking, new versus vintage hand tools, and uh, tool maintenance schedules. We're also going to feature some of your funny captions. We posted a, a funny picture on our social accounts, and you guys you guys really stepped up to the plate and knocked it out of the park with some ridiculous captions. And we're going to read those. Uh, but before we get to all that good stuff, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a new product each month to one lucky Wood Talk listener. This month, they're giving away their... You ready for it? Because last month was the uh, the drill thing, right? The drill hoochie. Ah, this, I don't know. The drill hoochie. This <laughs> month... I'm sure they're going to like that one. <laughs> yeah. This month, it's their convertible benchtop router tables, uh, which can be quickly reconfigured for benchtop use, wall-mounted use, or collapsed entirely for storage or transport. Uh, enter for your chance to win before April 1st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And while you're there, check out their Power Plus sale, which is going on right now. I can't wait till next month when it's a router hoochie thing. Some other kind of hoochie. Router table hoochie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh I, man. If I you want to help support, no. Look Sorry. what up? I'm, I'm looking what up what is? they're giving away. No, no. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not going to look that up. <laughs> do it. Do it. Ooh, fancy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're off to a good start today. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pro. All right. If you want to help support whatever the heck this is, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of this show. Uh, what we got here this week? We're thanking. Fornaces. I typed it exactly as it is. Fornaces Design Co. Brian. <laughs> I forgot to make the text bigger again. It's like Adam Sandler. Uh, Raymond Caparoon and Supina Twoe. Twoe? I don't know. Gregory McKenna and Blood, Sweat, and Tears Knives. All right. I actually think people maybe mess their names up on purpose just like to screw with you. That's, I mean, it's so easy. You can, make, you can make the name whatever you want it to be. And if you have to do it, you may as well screw with Matt while you're at yeah. it. I thought that's fun. That's part of what I'm here for. It's it's the privilege of being a patron. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, (laughs) we always appreciate that support. So thanks everybody who does that. Uh, Let's get into what's on the bench. Been a little while and uh, I had a a huge sort of monumental shift here in the Wood Whisperer headquarters in beautiful Denver, Colorado. And uh, that is hiring someone else, like a full-time someone uh, that isn't family and edits video. So what I'm trying to say is we hired an editor. <laughs> Stupid. That's trying a to very say long way of going about saying that. Stupidest way possible. Uh, we've been working with Todd for like years at this point. Uh, he's just been doing the work for us kind of freelance on the side. Uh, so we just got to the point where I was like, you know what? The the real limiting factor here and how much you know content I could put out over the course of the year is the fact that I need to have someone like doing the editing full time. Um, so we'll, we'll come up with other things for him to do. He will also be doing some traveling for us. 
don't uh, don't be Todd. We'll be keeping you busy. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, we got stuff for you to do, Todd. Uh, So one of the things we'll be traveling to film on location because he's a great uh, videographer, just in general. Oh, it's out of my way. Lots of laundry. (laughs) Yeah, that too. (laughs) Putting out the garbage like John does here at the house. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be pretty different, pretty uh, cool. But you know, just having access to someone like that, I think, is is, is super helpful at this point. Yeah, that's, the- it's going to be so great to like have your videos more. I have I have the same problem where like my stuff is so far behind reality. Mm-hmm. So I, it's going to be really nice for you to be able to be like, okay, this I literally shot this last week, and now it's out there, done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that we'll ever get to that point, but well, okay, that was. <laughs> Like right now you're couple. like, you're sitting on stuff from like last fall. Yes. Just like I am. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Six I months ago. Where I have a project still that needs to be edited down. That is uh, my mom's dining table. And I think I did that like before Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think <laughs> so it was October we, or something right. like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so we got a, one heck of a backlog. So I guess the question is, is now that you have an editor, will you continue to like organize and shoot for the edit? Or you'll be just like, whatever, man, that's your problem now. Well, see, Todd actually has been doing almost 100% of our editing up to this point, but he's had another job, you know, so it's always when he has spare time. So I have already been filming in a I don't give up (laughs) method for a long time. There's a reason why I shoot with two cameras now, because someone else is doing the editing. So (laughs) someone else's problem. (laughs) Yeah, I started doing that for myself and I'm like, this is stupid. Who, who's going to do this? Like, no, thank you. Uh, but with Todd, he's like in you know, a second nature for him. He knows how to do with uh, multi-cam shoots and uh, he does a great job with it. So yeah, I do shoot very differently when I'm not sitting in the editing chair. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. I spend yeah. a lot so, of time thinking about shooting for the edit and often I'm just like, there have been times when I'm just like, ah, screw it. But oh, I pay for yeah. it later. <laughs> it's yeah. It's worse on the back end if I don't. But yeah, there's no question it takes longer to produce, um, yeah. you know, in the shop, but yeah. always worse on the back it's, end. It's definitely Something interesting from that side of things when it's like someone else's thing to worry about. Problem. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> at my, uh, when I was working at the, the software company for a while, we had the salesperson that also did the like customer support and onboarding. And the minute we separated those two jobs, with two different people, like all these additional people were onboarded or like became sales because the salesperson wouldn't sell, wouldn't like try to sell these people that were going to be a burden from like a support side later on. Mm-hmm. So separate those two is like, Oh, whatever. If they're going to call in and have, they don't know how to turn the computer on. Pff, ain't my problem. It's the, <laughs> the support guy's problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not my problem. It's like the, uh, the framer that doesn't care about the drywall guy coming in after him. There you go. <laughs> Kick the can right, so- down the road. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. So it all feels kind of weird. But the other thing I'm working on is a, I think a lot of people can trace this back to Matt's fault. Uh, We talked about it on the show, the whole Merka Sander situation. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my affiliate link. Yeah. I got got your affiliate link right here. (laughs) Um, So I did wind up buying the Merka and I did a, I'm I'm basically doing a long-term comparison here between the two. Uh, My intention is not to do like a magazine style um, comparison between these two. I'm not going to buy a robot that can evenly sand with (laughs) consistent pressure uh, for consistent amounts of time. I'm just going to be a woodworker who is very used to using the Festool ETS sander and will be comparing the two. If I, if I don't notice anything, there's a good chance there's not a big difference or I haven't uh, implemented the thing that would make it seem like there's a difference. So I am comparing those two. Sounds very subjective. 
it's absolutely 100% subjective and that's I'm not claiming anything but that will be that will be the discussion that starts that video like all right let's talk about this this is 100% subjective so you don't need to tell me uh anyway they will don't worry yeah they will of course so here's the funny thing unfortunate timing I'm in the middle of comparing these two and now mind you I hear from a lot of people that the Merca is fantastic but they wind up having uh, longevity issues where it just kind of poops out on them and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try to run the crap out of this thing and, and see if I can actually experience something like that. And what happens? My Festool starts to break down on me. <laughs> it starts to turn itself off periodically. <laughs> and I'm like, Festool, this is not a good look for you <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm trying to, to show that, you know, you're, you're, that you might be the better bargain of these two. And now you're showing me that I need to send this in for repair. That, that's the feature you didn't know about. That's the, it's time to change pads mode yeah Yeah, there you go oh it's it's pad changing time okay yeah so festival calls that ai (laughs) yeah everything has ai now uh, (laughs) apparently i again hearing from other people this is a common problem with the newest batch of ets sanders i've I've got two old ones from uh, when they first released this uh, brushless version and they're like six years old and they have been going strong. I've thrown them on the ground, not intentionally, but they've been dropped on the ground. Uh, you know, I've used the crap out of them over the course of six years and they are holding up perfectly. Like they are fantastic. It's this new batch in the last year or so that seems to have this problem with the, uh, the switch on it turning off while you're using it. So it is on its way to repair, uh, get repaired back in, I guess, what, where are they? Indiana, something like that. Germany someplace in the middle of the country um and uh, hopefully it'll get fixed no not so so is it like vibrating and the switch is turning off or is it overheating or something it's an actual switch issue yeah so i've tried to isolate the reason for it and whether it was like too much vibration has it been running too long the the turning off has been impossible to connect to anything that's happening while i'm doing it it just happens when it happens hmm and it doesn't matter if I am just starting it up or I've been running it for 15 minutes. None of that seems to play a role in this at all. It is something internal. Uh, when I called there, the the rep was like, oh, basically was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know about this. Send it in. We've got a few things to fix. <laughs> like it, this is a known issue. Okay. Uh, we're just going to give you a new one. They don't know what it is, but <laughs> yeah, I actually thought about that. Like put, getting a Sharpie, putting a dot on it somewhere. <laughs> So I could just double check out of curiosity. Did they give me the same sander or is this a new one? guess well, I could check the serial number too. I mean, you got to pay the extra $200 to get one that operates continuously. That's why the Merc yeah, is so. 200 more. So <laughs> they're charging like the fair market value apparently. Right. Well, and that's really, the, that's, that's really the question I'm trying to answer with this stupid review is like, not are these really good sanders? They're both going to be great sanders. The question is, in this premium category, why would anyone pay $250 more for the Merca? Is there a difference there that's tangible? Um, that's what I'm trying to answer. So we'll see. Hmm. Better color scheme? <laughs> Depends on your perspective. Exactly. I think, honestly, I think one of the, the main reasons people love that sander from what I've, uh, you know, talking to, to people, one of the main reasons is, is the format. Uh, people who have experience with pneumatic sanders that paddle switch, this is like second nature to them. And it's just more natural. Um, for someone who wasn't brought up on that, it's oh, not good. that big of a deal. The one thing I hate about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is you go, Oh, it's, it's a really cool paddle switch. You don't have to turn the sander on and off. You just put your hand on it. It's like, but no, 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 no. You do have to turn the sander off because if you put that sander down and you don't kill the master power 
and someone hits that paddle, it's going for a ride, right? Or, or someone like Matt comes along and flips it upside down to change the paper. Uh, it's also going to, you know, cut your hand with the edge of the, with the edge of the pad. So you do actually have to interact quite often with a power button. It's actually just a little bit more annoying because it's not as convenient. You're used to using that paddle. You know, it's a whole thing. I don't want to get too much into this, but now you're making me, um, you well, talked about Matt being yeah. it being faster, right? Yeah. That was the, the real meat of our conversation last time. So I've done a couple of tests side by side. Both of these are five millimeter orbital pattern, five millimeter stroke. And I did side by side tests with the same sandpaper, brand new paper, tried to keep everything as even as possible. And I don't see any speed increase on hmm. this. So I think when, when people do see a speed increase, Maybe they are using a different paper than they typically use, uh, or they might even have a different orbit on it. So maybe they're going from like a three millimeter orbit to a five millimeter or eight millimeter Merca, which is going to cut faster. Yeah. Um, so I but, think that's, we kind of talked about, or oh, was like on the last show or maybe by text that maybe the one that I was using was the eight. Yeah. It's like, that's like a crazy stroke. Mm-hmm. So that could have been a two. Could have definitely been a factor when I, at least in my hands, apples to apples comparison, they both it was basically just a pencil mark test. I, I had marked up the top of a bench top, uh, counted how many times I had to go back and forth across it. And each one took exactly the same number of passes. One thing I will say is I did for funsies, tried that Cubitron stuff. Have you heard everybody talking about that? It's like, oh, the, yes. you know, the new, uh, next thing since uh, sliced bread sort of sandpaper. He, he led the Decepticons, right? And yes, turn, turn into a boom box. <laughs> That's right. He was my favorite. That was Soundwave. But anyway, okay, true. Um, I did. Uh, I did try that, and that I immediately noticed the difference. Um, I can't speak to the longevity, but it can clear the pencil marks in about half the time that oh, wow. it takes to do it with the other sanders. So that's one thing I have noticed. That's not part of this um, this comparison or test, but I wanted to get a feel for this Cubitron stuff, and I can definitely say it's cutting faster than the Festool paper that I have. So that's pretty cool. All right. Enough about me. I didn't expect to talk about that that long. Mm. I picked up hand tools to get away from sanding. Yeah, man. It's my, Seriously. it's my time to take a nap on the show. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> this is not relevant to me. I'm not nope. paying attention. Not at all. <laughs> uh, all right, Matt, what do you got? <clears throat> uh, I, uh, I'm almost moved out of my old shop finally which is nice. feeling pretty good. So I have a few things left there to remove. The biggest thing was the, uh, the bridge port was still there. So I got that taken apart. It's ready to leave the property and, oh, we're getting the house ready to be go on the market. So that's going to uh, be, you know, probably what I'm doing next week is okay. all that crap, you know, painting and converting the, the workshop back into like an actual garage, which is kind of bittersweet. Do you have sense. anything major that you have to do to, to make that happen? Uh, I need to put up a drywall in the ceiling. Okay. And re-insulate the ceiling. Do you have to? Or is that part of the sales process? I mean, I don't have to, but then it wouldn't be a conforming garage. Okay. Gotcha. They have like vapor, whatever fumes mm-hmm. and stuff. So okay. I got to do that. I mean, I like it. You just got to like hang it and then do like a skim coat of mud and that's it. But I don't know. I don't really want to do it. Plus I got to paint the whole dang house. So there's that. Yeah. Plus finish moving everything. All, all the last little things in the house. And also I got, a, there's a giant sawmill in the backyard and a bunch of slabs that probably shouldn't be there either. So. Uh, so you're busy is what yeah. you're saying. I'm about to be more busy. That's why you hardly ever return my texts anymore. I get well, it. You know, they're still you're dumb. Busy. 
<laughs> Usually they are. <laughs> Not gonna lie. They don't elicit a response from me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all you gotta do is, is long press, man, and give me a thumbs up or a, a ha ha or something. There I you sent go. you a heart last night or something. <laughs> you did. Just let me know you saw it. That's all. That's all I'm looking for. He's alive. He's not dead. Okay. Good. Uh, awesome. Oh man. All right, Shannon. What about you? Um, I uh, I made some oval like shaker boxes this week, mm-hmm. and discovered that this is one of those projects where you spend all this time making like bending forms, and in my case, I made a like a planing jig to get a consistent thickness. And oh, you're doing ki- those things like the steam bending yeah, oval yeah. thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. I, oh. I kid you not. It took <laughs> me 10 minutes, shapes. 10 minutes to actually make the box. <laughs> I spent two hours and, and I made, I made a, a planing, planing jig. Cause it really does. It doesn't really matter what the thickness is. It just needs to be super consistent. So you get a good bend and it's, they're really thin. So, you know, it's like, well, I could build the jig that runs through the planer. That's stupid. You know, I'm just going to build the jig that, that, that my joiner plane rides on like two skids and gives it mm-hmm. consistent. Then I had to make the actual bending form. Then I had to make the actual drying form because you, you wrap it and then mm-hmm. you take it off the form and you, you put a, a different form that has airflow through it while it actually sets. I made all that stuff. It, it took me maybe two, maybe three hours to do that. <clears throat> and then I made a box and it was 10 minutes. <laughs> It was 10 minutes and the thing was Dude, done. That's funny. So, I mean, obviously I could crank out the boxes, you know, I mean, and when you're dealing with these veneers, they're, they're so thin. I mean, I actually went out and bought a caliper, um, <laughs> just because you can't measure this stuff with a ruler. It's, you need decimals and things like that. So it, it was like, I could mill up like 10 strips and probably gang cut all the fingers and all that stuff together with a fret saw. And well, I'd have to have 10 forms, but I could very easily knock out like five or six of these boxes in an hour's worth of work. And it's not like I've been doing this for 30 years. I mean, it's really quite simple. It's just a heck of a lot of, of jigging, if you will. So yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of anticlimactic. Um, it's like, Oh, that's it. Okay. All that prep work just for 10 minutes of work. Seriously. I'm like, Oh, I'm done. Okay. Come back in two days and, and, and (laughs) take it off the bending form. And yeah, that was it. (laughs) So yeah, it was interesting. It was, it's a fun project. Kind of always wanted to build one. Um, but it does bring up kind of an interesting thing because I did, I did some research into these boxes and of course there's several articles and find woodworking. Um, I actually ordered a, um, uh, like a, a water trough, uh, that's that you actually soak the, the laminates in. And I got it from, uh, like Mr. Shaker box, um, out, out in, in Michigan, Charlotte, Michigan, uh, John Wilson, John Wilson. Yeah. He's okay. like the guy he's like Mr. Shaker box. And, um, he has a series of videos and he included the, the DVD when I bought the, the steaming tray. I mean, I could use my steam box, but this is just like a galvanized tray that you actually soak it in. And it was like, ah, I could go buy a Rubbermaid thing. And it was like, this is actually just the same price. So I'll just get one from him. So anyway, long story short, too late. He sent me the DVD. So I watched it and it was like, I don't even know, like 240p was probably generous on the resolution. I mean, this thing, <laughs> this thing was shot in like 1986, I think. Um, nice. Oh, wow. 
And it's interesting <laughs> because there's an edited section where like John changed his process and he refilmed and inserted something from like 1994. <laughs> and like, you can't tell, like it's still low res. And it's just, it, you start to remember like how quickly things went high def. 94, it was pre high def. But anyway, long story short, it was really interesting to me to watch this video back when that was the only source. And, and this, this might actually lead us into our paralysis by analysis thing later, but the fact that you can, you can talk about how to build in this case, an oval box. And I kept, I kept in the back of my mind, like the, my inner monologue kept saying, Oh, that's all he's going to say about that. Like, he's not going to clarify that or, Ooh, yeah. people are going to eat him alive for saying that, you know, it's like my, my modern <laughs> Don't read day the comments seriously. <laughs> and it suddenly occurred to me, like we probably spend at least 10 to 20% of, of the videos that we make, like throwing out disclaimers or, you mm-hmm. know, well, this is the way I do it. Or you could do it a number of ways. This is the way I'm going to do it. They didn't say that. Like watch Scott Phillips, watch Roy Underhill, watch David Marks. Like before there was the comment section, it was amazing how concise woodworking videos were because they spent no time defending their position. It was just, <laughs> here's the statement. The statement is authority. Like no one will question that authority. Norm Abrams is the same way, you know, and granted Norm is a master craftsman. John Wilson is a master craftsman. The guy's been building shaker boxes and shaker furniture for 40 some years. He just says it. It was just so funny. This sudden realization that here's what we've become. Like everything we say, like, well, now there's seven other ways to do it. And if you choose to do it this way, do that's fine. Yeah. No, they didn't say any of that. Here's how you I do think it. It's a, a different era in the sense where like the barrier to entry to produce a video for distribution was huge at the time. Oh, so oh, you yeah. better know, you better be the guy to talk to about this thing. Otherwise you have no business doing it. Uh, now it's, you know, idiots like us with, with the ability to film anything that we do and put it out there. Well, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say that the other side of the coin, that the good thing of where we are today is there were a couple of points that he made that I was like, uh, I don't know about that, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, and it works, there's no question, but you, you know, we can all point to something that was like woodworking, you know, dogma that by sure. today's standards, it's like, eh, not so much. Like, yeah, no, totally. varnish doesn't really work that way. <laughs> when, you, when you go back right. to some of these videos from the 80s and when they talked about glue and they talked about some of the, the science-y stuff, we kind of know better now. Um, it was kind mm-hmm. of interesting. So I don't know. It was just totally uh, just a, a, a tangent, if you will. But um, yeah, paralysis by analysis is a thing today because of all the comments section. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse. Yeah. All right. So a little bit of community stuff. I had a a picture that I found. What was I doing? I was just going through my old archive of photos and I saw this picture of the three of us from Woodworking in America. Hadn't been posted yet to social media, at least eh, not on Instagram. Right. So I I took a look there and I was, we must've put it on Facebook somewhere. Yeah. Excuse me, but it definitely wasn't on Instagram. So this was what? Can somebody give me a year for that? Which woodwork work? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> woodworking was, in America. Which that show was, was that? fine? Woodworking live. I it was think. the last. Oh, one. was it fine? Woodworking. Yeah, yeah. Live? I think. I think it was. I think you're right. Yes, I think you're right. Because remember that was when we went to uh, Dunkin' Donuts every morning, or tried to. Yeah, we shot some pool. Southbridge. Yeah, Massachusetts. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. This is a a few years ago. It's a good amount of time. But the picture is us sitting at the table. I can't even remember what 
got us to this moment. I don't <laughs> exactly. know. Exactly. But <laughs> it's Shannon in the background looking at me and Matt with a, uh, he's laughing and I think he has almost like a maternal adoring <laughs> look on his face. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way that I can describe it. He just, was, he's laughing, but. That was the extra so hundred like, pounds I was carrying at the time. <laughs> That's what it is. There was so much pride in his eye and, and, and I'm, <laughs> And I'm feeding Matt something. It must've been ice cream or whatever. And I'm feeding him with my mouth open. Like a, like a parent does when you're like, okay, open your mouth and you open your mouth with them. So that's the photo. And I put it up and said, Hey, let's caption this. You guys should come up with some funny stuff. So, uh, there were like 45 responses. You really should go to our Instagram account, uh, wood talk show to enjoy all of them. I just picked a few of them here. Um, Fred McIntyre says, here comes the choo choo. That's, Frankly, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what the picture says. Yeah, that's to me. it. That's it. Well, I guarantee you, that's exactly what you said too. In the moment, <laughs> it right. must have been too. Uh, Aaron Olson says, "Mark trying everything to cure Matt of the giggles." Mm-hmm. JD yeah. Messick says, "I could feed my friends too if I had a spoon like that." <laughs> oh, that was good. Okay, I'm going to try not to curse here. Uh, Jeremy Conklin says, "These edibles ain't crap." Ten minutes later, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's a Colorado joke. Brando 1155 says, I'll feed you baby bird. Uh, Matt Bunton says, eat up. And one day you'll be a big and strong like Shannon. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and Se- Sabrin, Sabrin Woodwork says, the moment Shannon decided to get a Peloton. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so anyway, go to Instagram. It's pretty funny. Uh, it's fun to check that stuff out. Good times. You know, Speaking of, of which we have another photo from that time. Cause I was trying to find it because we put out another post about dumb questions and somebody said something about how tall actually is Matt. Somebody <laughs> took a picture of us when we were playing pool at that conference and I we like picture, stood against the wall, like all three of us in a row. Yep. And you could truly see like how little Matt is. So th- cause I think that- he was like standing up on a block and I was still yeah. like six inches taller than he was. <laughs> I so can't this find was, it. What year no, 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 no. This? Listen, this was on our Instagram account. It's there. Currently. Oh, is it? Just okay, go good. back. Yeah. Go back on Wood Talk. And what we did is there are three photos and we each changed positions on that <laughs> little step to try to <laughs> confuse right. people on who actually is taller and who is the tallest. <laughs> so, uh, that those actually won't help him, uh, figure out who, <laughs> what yeah. Matt's actual height is. <laughs> it's pretty confusing. Okay. Oh yeah. There we go. Mm. See it? Yeah. There it is. Yep. Okay, so Steven has a voicemail here, and this is kind of a kickback. You guys remember my whole broken bandsaw blade thing? Well, Steven's got some um, information on like the the metallurgy aspect. Howdy, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. This is Steven from Virginia. I've got some kickback for you about your bandsaw blade issue. I'm an engineer, not a metallurgist, but I know a thing or two about metals. Um, You know, you hear it said that the weld is stronger than the band, and that could be true. Um, problem with talking about stronger when you're talking about metals is there's different failure modes and depending on the failure mode it's a different property of the metal that matters and to most non-engineers the word strength uh, seems like it could apply but um, it's different properties of the metal that can matter Um, when you're uh, looking at the weld sure plenty of things can go wrong with the weld you could have uh, poor shielding um, and get some oxygen in there and have oxides that can screw things up or you could have uh, slag inclusions if you're using a slag shielded weld 
Um, you could get, uh, you know, have bad elements in your filler metal that could be phosphorus or sulfur in high concentrations can screw up your welds. Um, and then you could mess up your heat treatment too if you need a heat treatment, which you probably do on a bandsaw blade, I would guess. Um, Shannon had it pretty much bang on where the the annealing is the way you soften that brittleness and make it tougher. Uh, in most metals, that increases fatigue performance. Um, Shannon mentioned the Japanese chisel. He's actually right about that. That softer metal on top of the hard stuff gives some um, better toughness to the chisel so that uh, while it's liable to be chipped at the edge, um, you're probably not going to just fracture right through it because you get uh, the toughness added by that softer metal on top. So hope that's helpful. Uh, thanks for all you do and go Rockler. All right. Thanks for that, Stephen. Uh, you know, only one time per email, please say that Shannon is right about something. <laughs> say, I like this guy. Uh, I don't, to- I, I can't, I can't stand for that. Yeah. Steven, call in anytime you want. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. You want Shannon's number actually, now that I think about it, <laughs> just make him feel better go. every day. Just, just call me up and just tell me how. Just a daily affirmation. Every morning. Yeah. The morning text. Oh, Shannon, man. you're the best. You nailed it. You're right again. <laughs> man all right so uh you know we got a mid-roll ad to do here so let's do it uh you guys know rockler is a sponsor of the show we love those guys well they have a really cool thing on their website and they want you to know about it you could build your dream router table with rockler's new online router table configurator pick a router table package plus a plate of your choice or build a router table from scratch the options are extensive, ranging from high-pressure laminate to cast-iron router tabletops, customizable stands, award-winning router lifts, and all the power blah blah router table accessories that you might need. Uh, you could pick your top, your fence, your stand, your plate, and many more accessories. That's at rockler.com slash router dash tables. Now, I'm doing this right now. I went through, and like I do, this is how I shop. I just go by price. I pick the most expensive thing in each category. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up, here's what I'm going to get. Well, I'm not going to get it, but if I were to get it, this is what I would get. It's uh, $1,149. And I got- Oh, you the, can do better than that. No. Well, I didn't add any accessories. So there's There's, no, there's no actual router. That's the, the true <laughs> irony. No, there, there is no router. That's true. Uh, so here we go. I got a tabletop. And look- Cast iron for a router tabletop? Yes, please. Like, I know I don't have that, and it almost feels like it might be overkill, but there's something about that that makes me want it. Like, just to have a nice dead flat, really strong support for a heavy router with a lift in the table, pretty good. So I got their Pro Max cast iron router tabletop. Uh, the router fence is the Rockler router table Pro Max fence. I got the Pro router lift, and uh, I guess it's one that fits all the Rockler tables, and then their, uh, their little steel stand for 1100 bucks. That's the, that's like top of the line right there. I would click add to cart, but I'd probably get in trouble with Nicole. You know what I'm, I'm not going to do? I'm, I'm looking at it too. I'm kind of digging this bench top one. Let me look. A little baby one. He's like, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can set it on top of your bench whenever you want to use it. That's kind of nifty. It's a, like a, kind of like a joinery bench, like, or a joinery accessory yeah, thing. Like a box in. Like doing some small <laughs> stuff. Like you put like a yeah. edge profile on something and you don't want to. You want to take the uh, piece wish, of wood to I the, wish they to would the call router it the table Moxen. or whatever. That'd be awesome Moxen. if they called it the Moxen router table. Actually, just, yes, they that would be totally incredible. That. Okay, now actually, uh, Matt, you bring up a good point because I've been watching your feed. Yeah, that's what I. That's all I do. 
I know. And Apparently. It's great. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan, and Facebook lets me know with my little top fan label. Top fan. Yay. <laughs> so listen, I'm watching your stuff, and I'm like, gosh darn it, if Matt isn't putting, doing the same darn thing that I do, putting a router upside down in the leg vice of the workbench well, for quick edge treatments and stuff. That one worked out pretty well too because I, I had two different style of workpieces throughout. I had the ones where it makes more sense to take the workpiece to the router and I have mm -hmm. ones that are bigger, which makes more sense to take the router to the uh, the workpiece. Yeah. So I don't have to change the setup ever. This, the bit stays exactly the same. I just pull it out of the vise when I'm ready to go to the wood. Mm-hmm. So this does, I mean, that I've never really thought about getting like a mini router table, but obviously the router being upside down is not ideal. You don't have a lot of like reference surface. It's not the best way to do it. You can get yourself in trouble pretty quickly with that if you're not careful. But the thought of having like a tiny little router table that you could bring on top of the workbench and not have to fuss with the big let table. Me, let me tell you the, actually the, like the real reason I was doing that uh -huh. is I had my router table set up for a sliding dovetail. Yeah, and I'm like, you don't want to touch not, it. I'm touching this in case I screw something up and I got to make another one of these. And guess what happened? I screwed <laughs> something up. I had to make another one of these. <laughs> and I'm so glad I didn't have to set that up again. Yeah. This went right back to the process. So that was, it was kind of nice. And this, I feel like I'm like selling these things now, but <laughs> they, I, I it has the, the insert <laughs> that the router amounts to. So it gives you like, you have the option to take the router out of the table easily and use the insert as like a bigger base plate. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So then you can right. pop it in and out of this thing. Well, look, there's clearly some amazing options here when it comes to routers. That convertible benchtop router table is the one that they're giving away. Maybe I should, um, I, I think feel our, like, our, I feel like the, every ad we do for them, is just like ways for them to tell me that their stuff exists. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that they had this. Well, they, they've got, they actually do have an incredible line of stuff that if you're not looking at all their circulars or going into their stores, you might not know that they're there. Is this newer? It must be like a newer thing. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, if you want know. to pimp There's out lots of a bells router and table, whistles. It's, it's a lot of fun to play with. Even I played with this for like an hour. It's like, it's why, one of why those am I doing that, this? Like, but it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> you might go through it 10 times and never pull the trigger to make the purchase, but it's still fun to, uh, you know, configure a table like that and see what you could do with it. So rockler.com slash router dash tables and go get yourself a router, a router table. It's not a router, stuff. just a router table. N don't get a router. Well, you'll, you'll need a router. Just not <laughs> yet. Router, router is not included. Yeah. All right. So we've got uh, some voicemails and emails to answer. This is kind of a group question from Jeff K. It's about paralysis by analysis. He says, one of the great things about the internet is the seemingly unlimited information about woodworking. One of the worst things about the internet is the seemingly unlimited information about woodworking. As a budding amateur woodworker, any ideas of how I can tune out the message board debates, the beginner tool list lists, uh, the think pieces, the deep dives and rabbit holes I find myself neck deep in, and just shut up and start making shapes? P.S. <laughs> how are there no cup of slab cups or mugs available for purchase? I trust someone was fired for that. Abor I never know how to pronounce it. Abhorrent? Blunder? Shannon, how do you pronounce that? You're the word guy. Abhorrent. Abhor do you pronounce the H though? Not really. Abhorrent? Not really. Ab Abhorrent. 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 Anyway, that terrible blunder. Uh, so yeah, let's, the mugs, mugs are a pain in the butt. We're That's pretty why. bad at merchandising. I think it's yeah, that too. <laughs> My mom hates mugs. Like we had mugs as a regular <laughs> item in the past. And once we 
sold out of them. She's like, no more. I hate these <laughs> mugs. They're just, they shit, they break in shipping. It's a whole thing. Okay. So here's the funny thing is like, I always go back to the first video that, that I made. And the, the comment that I said in there was that there are no resources online, uh, video resources for people to learn woodworking and our choices for learning woodworking are going away because TV isn't showing it anymore. Uh, so you have to take a class or you have to learn from a neighbor or you got, you have to read books or buy some tapes or whatever was the, the media back then. Some mixed tapes. <laughs> yeah. Some mixed tapes <laughs> for some girls. Um, so, you know, it's, it's almost mind boggling to me how fast things shifted to the point where now new woodworkers are like, I don't know what to do. There's so much information. I'm like, that's a, that's a really good problem to have. Uh, I think it's better than having not enough information out there. Uh, this is all on a device that's in your pocket, you know, and it's for the most part outside of your, the cost of the device and your internet connection. Um, it's free. So yeah, I mean, I get it. It's just such a, a different mindset than, than the way my brain thinks. I still think back in 2006 terms sometimes. Um, so one of the suggestions I'm going to have, and this might not, I mean, it might be obvious and it might be harder to, to do than to say, and that is, well, stop doing it. Stop going there. Stop. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Stop. Uh, you go to the, the doctor and you say it hurts and he says, well, don't do that anymore. Yeah. It hurts when I do this. Well, don't do that. So yeah, I mean, you don't have to participate in all this stuff. You can do honestly what I do. And, and that is, I need a piece of information. Let me Google it. Let me see if I could find the best resource at the time that I need it. You don't necessarily have to spend, you know, a Saturday night perusing a bunch of, uh, you know, your subscriptions on YouTube. You don't have to do that. And a lot of that is where you start to get confusion and doubt yourself. Maybe you just made a purchase and then someone posts a review of something in that category. Now you're having buyer's remorse because you go, well, this person says this is great. And I just bought that. You know what? They're both going to work. They're both going to get the job done. But now you're stressing about it because you watch that video that you didn't need to watch. So I don't know, maybe uh, pull yourself away from it. You don't have to jump in. What, what do you guys think? I mean, are there other ways that don't involve like abstinence <laughs> to, to be able to do this? I mean, I, th I think you have to apply a filter of some sort. Like his, and his question is, is there a way that I can just shut up and start making shavings? Yeah, just start. And mm -hmm. like what I tell people, especially beginners is pick a project. Like what do you need? You know, there, there's a reason that you kind of wanted to try woodworking. I mean, there's a, probably a thousand reasons, but there's probably a project somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, the, the significant other wanted something or you needed something and you thought, Oh, I could make that cheaper <laughs> if I made it myself. <laughs> um, there's, there's usually some catalyst, right? So focus on that. And when you run into a problem, find a solution to that problem. And if the solutions you're finding, you know, require you to buy seven more tools. Okay. That's not the solution find a solution that's going to work with what you have. Now you may, you may not, you may not find it. You may determine, Oh, well, you know, I have, all I have is an exacto knife. Okay. Well you might need to buy a tool somewhere along the way, but mm -hmm. try to, to really focus on the project that you're building. And you usually can wade through a lot of that stuff and you're mm -hmm. going to find that you're going to learn and answer a whole bunch of questions just by working in the shop. You're going to come up with seven more questions for every question you answer. <laughs> But you at least will, I don't know. And I know personally when I solve a question or I solve a, a problem like on my own, I learn my lesson, if you will. Like I don't have mm -hmm. that question anymore because I understand what happened because I fixed it on, on my own. And that's, that's the only way you can do it. If you have 
a purpose, if you have a project that you're really focusing on, you usually can filter out the white noise. Yeah. And I think the, to your point there, Shannon, if you, if you try it and you experiment and you get a result, it's so much more meaningful when you see other people then try it and show their result, you can kind of evaluate, you know, the information they're giving you. Whereas if you look that up first and then you kind of have it in your head that this is how it's going to turn out because that's how they, you know, that was their result. Um, there's a lot of value in experimenting and just seeing for yourself how things turn out. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Matt? Anything? Uh, I will echo exactly what Shannon said because that, I think that's honestly the best way to learn these things is to get get up there and start doing it yourself. There's a lot of nuance in in working through a lot of these problems, and by doing that yourself, and you really have a lot more of an understanding of what you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, stop watching stuff and just go to the shop. <laughs> yeah. But you can also um, fall into a trap of, I heard this feedback recently from someone who all they've, you know, all they know as a new woodworker is what they see today. And what they see today is a lot of fast forwarded content. Mm, so they actually yeah. don't, uh, there was someone who said in our beginner series that, that Nicole and I are doing, if you could spend some extra time actually showing and talking about feed rates, because people who watch woodworking today have oh, no oh, yeah. concept for feed rates. Huh, and I'm like, I never thought about that. That's a even for my own videos, I speed things up because I'm like, well, it's boring. I'm pushing a piece of wood through a table saw. So they have no perspective for that. That's one thing experience will certainly teach you, but it's a, it's just something to watch out for. All of the videos are done for entertainment value these days, uh, not as much for education. So you, you have to, you know, sort of filter out all that stuff too. It's pretty tricky. You know, I actually had a very similar comment and I didn't really think about it till now, but even on the hand sawing side of things. Like there was a guy who was really frustrated because he wasn't as sawing as fast as I was. And I don't like dramatically speed up a lot of my stuff. I usually just cut. Um, but I think I had sped it up like 125% or something just to kind of, I think I was trying to fit a voiceover or whatever, but I mean, it was, it was faster, but it wasn't so like apparent. Oh, he sped that up. And he was just, he was asking me like, do you really like, is your, your frequency of arm stroke that high? You know, do I need to like pick it up? Well, I saw faster and I'm like, I didn't know what he was talking about. And I watched the video and I'm like, oh, right. I actually sped you, that uh, up. Did you say, have you seen these triceps? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's all about cadence. It's all about cadence. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. All right. So this kind of actually ties into my first question that I had from Marie. And I think this might even be a tip for, uh, for Jeff as well. Uh, Marie is, wait, what is this thing? Oh, this is just a, okay, that's a joke question. I'll ask ask that later. Uh, Marie at DIY Montreal. And the question is about the best way to learn. She says, I've been doing woodworking for about four to five years now. I'm actually a content creator myself and started a YouTube channel a few years ago. I've tried to soak up as much knowledge as I can through YouTube and magazines and blog posts, but I'm wondering what you would recommend to someone who really wants to learn more about skills and techniques. I have a full-time job, so going to school isn't an option, but I'm wondering whether you would recommend books And if so, could you name a few besides Marks, of course, or perhaps more in-depth course online courses like the Guild or WWGOA and such. I'm not looking to learn fine woodworking per se. I am uh, more interested in gaining a better understanding of the fundamentals, skills, and techniques that every woodworker should know. First of all, I'm going to put a link uh, in the show notes to Marie's YouTube channel. I watched a couple of her videos and she's very good. uh, So you'll want to check those out. Uh, But this, I think, kind of relates to what Jeff was asking. There may be a point where you say, well, you know, I love this flood of free content that I could watch. I could I could watch Matt move logs with a skid steer all day long. And it's fantastic. 
Uh, but when I really want to get down to the nitty gritty, where do I go? Well, a lot of these people who make YouTube videos have gotten into producing premium videos or, or videos that you can get more information from, but you do have to pay a little bit for. And I think she brought up some great examples. Obviously, the Guild, the Hand Tool School is another good example. Woodworkers Guild of America. Actually, um, I know George, really, I, I consider George a friend, but I don't know anything about WWGOA's content necessarily. I've never actually been on the inside <laughs> of that, but they've been around for a long time uh, and, and seem to have a lot of good videos in their program. Um, you can go to sites like Fine Woodworking. I think even today, I, I like I still really value all the information that I can get from fine woodworking. Um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of weird because I think in, in some cases, a lot of new woodworkers may completely dismiss that resource, but it's huge. It's where it all began, you know, like what, 35, 40 years ago. Uh, there's so much good information there in their online thing where you basically get access to their whole archive. Uh, plus all other videos from like amazing, amazing woodworkers. So I think if you really boil it down, distill it down to maybe two or three resources, you can get the top tier stuff and really get a good solid education for a sort of um, learn as you go, learn on your own kind of personality. I think you can accomplish that. Also with COVID, a lot of the in-person schools have moved to doing online classes. Now, I don't know how long they're going to continue doing that because, you know, it's a brick and mortar uh, school. Uh, but there are schools that have been engaging in online classes to try to continue with this. And that might be a really good low cost way uh, to learn from a couple different instructors. So that would, I think you're on the right track, Marie, keep going down that path uh, and, and definitely start to really vet and filter your resources to get the stuff you actually need. If, if I could just add one little thing, cause this goes back to the other paralysis by analysis thing. I, I do think I, I hear this a lot. Like I want to learn like basic skills and, and techniques. There is no like list of these are the fundamentals because woodworking is so subjective. It yeah. looking at woodworking in abstract and what skills do I need to learn? Well, what are you building? Um, so again, what I said before, find yourself a project. So Marie, if, if you're looking to increase your skills, well, you might want to figure out exactly where you want to go, like what, what techniques or skills you feel that you're lacking. And I know that can be a difficult question to answer when you just don't know, but it's not like there's a, you know, chapter one, start here, you know? And well, I suppose if you look at a book, chapter one, let's look at wood. Here's the structure of wood, blah, 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 blah. Here are the tools you need, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's so variable dependent upon what you actually want to build. Um, so I and really it, like, think you got to kind of start at the end and reverse engineer a little. Well, and do you think it's even able, you're even able to separate these two things the way she says, um, I'm looking to learn, not looking to learn fine woodworking per se, but I want to get the fundamental skills and techniques that every woodworker should know. Yeah. I kind of feel like how, how, like if you are going to do it all correctly, then you're really going to do it the best that you can. I think that's where fine woodworking starts <laughs> right. is with the fundamentals, the skills and the techniques that every yeah. woodworker should know. But, but that's just it. Like if someone pressed you and said, what are the, you know, top 10 fundamental skills every woodworker should know? Could you actually answer that? I mean, I would have to say, eesh. do you want to be a Matt Cremona woodworker? Do you want yeah. to be a Shannon Rogers woodworker? Right, right. Like, exactly. There needs to be a little bit of direction provided there yeah, before you true. can really say, you know, I mean, sure. if, if you ask me, I say understanding wood, like science is a big deal. And then other people are like, dude, shut up. Like, yeah. I don't <laughs> care about porosity <laughs> and Janko hardness. <laughs> That's just me. Like I get into that stuff, but 
it's really, I don't know. I feel that it's enhanced my own woodworking, but God, it's not necessary. No, not at all. Um, it just <laughs> yeah. depends on what you want to get out of it. I went through the same thing with fly fishing. Like I was learning Latin names of the bugs I was trying to mimic on the river. And at one point I was just like, dude, like chill, just go catch some fish. Yeah. <laughs> like, Seriously. Just shut up and cast, cast the line. It's just fishing, man. Relax. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. All right. That was good. Good, good talk. <laughs> good talk. <laughs> All right, Shannon, you can talk more now. Did, did, did you want to read this joke you were skipping over before? Or? It's, it was, yeah, it was really dumb. Okay. Uh, Nick, okay. Nick says, uh, after all these years, does it bother you when people call you Mark with a K? Uh, Follow up question. Does that change if they're being a jerk and trying not to, or trying to point out some obvious detail that they think you missed? Uh, I was just, I don't even know why I put this in there. It's so stupid. Who cares? Um, <laughs> I don't mean to say that to Nick. I mean, Way I would go, answer Nick. this question. I would answer this question for Nick privately, but like publicly oh. on the show, I was just probably <laughs> looking for content. Um, yeah, I, I'm so used to it. I don't really care at this point. Frankly, I don't even notice. And I'm surprised when people get it right. Um, I will probably, you know, if you say Mark with a K to me, I'm going to answer to it. That's a joke because it sounds the same. All right. Anyway. What? Shannon, you're up. Okay. <laughs> this is from Andy. He says, I started woodworking in the pandemic and I've realized that working with my power tools in my garage during Wisconsin winters is not all that comfortable. As I start to build up a hand tool collection so that I can work in the basement to avoid dust and noise levels, do you guys recommend starting with new planes, saws, etc., or should I try to look for used items and try to restore them? Is that something to do later once I get more experience with using the tools? This is, uh, this is a debate that will get you in a hell of a lot of trouble, uh, depending on what forum or <laughs> venue you enter. Um, my answer to this is it depends on what you like doing. Um, if you want to work wood, don't get into buying vintage tools because, <laughs> you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of, of lapping soles flat and lapping plane blades flat and removing rust and, and reapplying Japaning. And it's, it's tool restoration work, fettling tools, which there's a lot of people who love that, who really like dig being able to take this rusty hunk of whatever and, you know, showing the before and after picture. And, and I'm blown away when I see people like put that much effort into wire brushing away every last bit of rust. And they've got this Stanley plane that looks brand new. Like, Oh my God, kill me. Like I never would want to do that. Um, from my perspective, um, as someone who teaches hand tool skills, Kenny, geez, can you guys hear that? Kenny, The dog is What's flipping up, out over something. Um, UPS. Uh, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my perspective is, like it can be really difficult to understand how a hand plane should work until you've worked with one that's like properly fettled and properly sharpened. So sometimes buying that new hand plane can really be a revelation in and of itself. Um, I think that you can get started with hand planes with a single like jack plane and drop in the, whatever it is for Veritas these days, 250 bucks or so. I'm probably wrong mm -hmm. on that. I'm so out of touch. I haven't bought a plane in so long. Um, you know, it's a lot of money, but at the same time, this is a tool you're going to use your entire woodworking career. You're going to hand it down for multiple generations. It's actually not that much money when you think about it. And it works out of the box. The fine print will say, yes, you need to hone it a little bit, but let's be real. It works out of the box. Like you don't Maybe. have to sharpen it. It works. Um, so there's something that really can be gained from that. And you're already woodworking. Same thing with saws. Um, the caveat being 
you got to find the right manufacturer of a new saw because there's a lot of crappy new saws out there on the market because mm-hmm. let's face it, hand saws are not really in vogue since, you know, World War, whatever. Um, they, they are all vintage. The quality ones are all vintage, but there are good makers out there, Flora, Bad Axe, et cetera, that make great back saws. Um, and, you know, if you, if you get a new saw, you're going to know how it should work. <laughs> Right away. My dog's turn. Sorry. I was say, that one's not mine. <laughs> it's Dougie. That's someone yeah, else's hey, dog. Hey, where are you? <laughs> it's the dog show. It's your turn. <laughs> Come on. Come so snore anyway, this microphone. You're going to have a lot of people, and there will probably be people who will kick back to this and say, yes, but you learn how the tool works if you restore it yourself. There's no question. I won't deny that. But if you have to spend two hours digging through the white noise on the internet to find out the best way to restore the tool... I don't know. It just depends on where you want to put your money, right? You know, mm-hmm. if you put the money into buying a new tool, you're just going to get to woodworking right away. If you save the money, and I might add, like, you're not actually saving that much money anymore. The vintage hand tool market is stupid right now. It's so expensive. <laughs> I mean, you used to be able to buy jack planes for $10. Now they're like hundreds of dollars on eBay. It's just ridiculous. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Weigh it. For me personally, I recommend starting with a new hand plane and a new back saw. And then you can add from there as you get an idea of, of, of what else you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest pro- like question with this is like, if you're getting into it, like, do you know what you need? Like, yeah. If, if you start buying new stuff and you're like, I never actually needed this. I don't know. Number six no. or something. <laughs> I've done I that. I don't know what, what, you're, what you're buying. But <laughs> if, you, if you're not using a whole lot of hand tools now, do you really know which ones you should actually buy? I think I told the story on the show when I bought a, uh, what the heck was it? Uh, what's, the, what's the roughing plane? When I always plane, forget right? it. Yeah. Scrub plane. I was so excited about getting, uh, eBay, um, like winning an eBay auction <laughs> on a Lee Nielsen that I didn't do any research and I bought a scrub plane <laughs> that I never used. <laughs> It'll be fine. It's a Lee Nielsen, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was so excited. And then once I did a little research, I'm like, what did I just do? This is so stupid. Yeah. Especially considering Lee Nielsen planes tend to sell for more on eBay than they do at Lee Nielsen now <laughs> for yeah, some reason. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. You know, Matt, I think there are certainly enough of those beginner tool lists out there um, to, to give you some idea. But, you know, again, goes back to what's the project you're going to build. Um, I have certainly bought my share of new hand planes that I have ended up selling later. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think the good news is, is there's more of a trend towards the minimalist approach these days. Heck, the minimalist woodworker, Vic Tesselin is a good example. He can tell you, you know, how to go real, real simple there. But yeah, I mean, a jack plane, a back saw and, you know, a handsaw can take you so far. So there's really no reason to, to buy a whole bunch of stuff other than the fact that we just want to. Yeah. (laughs) Is it just me or does anyone else think the word fettling sounds dirty? (laughs) I mean, I just like when Shannon says it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like if you fettle too much, you'll go blind, that yeah. sort of thing. Hair will grow on your palms. Something like that. Yeah. All right, Matt. You're right. I just, I'm over here like waiting for someone to fettle me, you know? You're over, over there fettling <laughs> when you should be doing a show. <laughs> That's what that noise was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Why don't we always do this before I have to talk? <laughs> All right. This is from Victoria. Hey guys, I'm wondering how often you maintain your tools and what's the biggest priority? I sharpen my blades and test for alignment often, but I don't really practice regular maintenance as per each tool manual. I've wanted to get myself on a monthly schedule, 
but I get busy and lazy when it comes to belt oiling parts and such for the jointer, drum center, table saw, and planer, what's really important to do. Also, in reference to Mark's comment, we girls do more than getting our hair done. We get pedicures and massages too. Hmm. Hmm. She's not wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, she spelled my name wrong and I'm not even mad about it. Well, I read it, so you didn't know. That's right. I had no idea. I, I shouldn't have even said it. Mark with a K sounds the same, right? It does. Said? Yep. It's like she spells Victoria <laughs> with a K too, so there you go. She does. That's super weird. She spells it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just make fun of everybody's names. You know, either either I'll do it or Mark will make fun of your it's name. What we Whatever. do on this show. <laughs> it's basically what we're doing. Yep. Uh, I forget. I didn't go back and look and see what episode we talked about this in, but we talked about like our own like kind of maintenance schedules. And basically I think our consensus was that we are reactive uh, maintenance people. <laughs> we're not going to be doing anything unless something seems wrong. That sounds so right. So I, 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 I think procrastinative is more the response. Oh, it's making a noise. Uh, I just want to use it for a while. Yeah, there's it's not also that, that loud yet, so... Th there's also that, too. <laughs> but the one thing that I will add to that is that, uh, assuming that you're more like a hobbyist type of shop, uh, I don't. you won't even get the number of hours on the machine for maintenance in a month. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, at all. Like, these maintenance schedules on these machines are, like, for production shops, where, like, they're running, like, 8 to 10 hours a day nonstop. Uh, like... I think my planer says you're supposed to like oil the feed rollers every 20 hours of operation. That's like a year for yeah. me probably. Mm -hmm. So I don't think like monthly maintenance is really something that needs to happen besides like the sharpening thing. I think you got the sharpening thing right. But like if anything, your maintenance should be to go in your shop once a month and turn them all on. <laughs> there you so go. they can like move around a little bit. So your yeah. belts don't like deform to the shape of the pulleys because they're never moving. That's probably more of a concern than uh, I'm not, I don't know, than actually like maintaining things and like doing maintenance on things. So, yeah, I can't think of the last time I oiled something in my shop. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm trying mean, to like, remember, like Matt said, I'm trying to remember that episode because we did talk about this. And I remember Matt at one point said, like, he referenced, uh, uh, like, we're just talking about the normal shop maintenance manuals. And we figured it out. And I added a, 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 a reminder to my calendar during that show. <laughs> To oil my planer. Um, and that's coming up in 2027. It's actually here on my calendar. I had to search a little nice. bit to find it. But during that show, I added the reminder that I should oil my planer um, sometime in 2027. So, was this, and, and was that this was, what we were talking about? Um, that was like was four years ago, oil? wasn't it? Yeah, the gearbox. Yeah, like yeah, change, that's what it was. Change gearbox, gearbox oil in the planer. Every right. so often or something. Where it's yeah, because like, I changed mine and I and people were making fun of me because I think it's like a 30,000 hour thing. <laughs> like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like you get into the thousands and you're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Most people will never even run their machines that long in, in the hobbyist type of shop. Yeah. Right? But like, <laughs> you know, sharpening, that's probably important. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, waxing. Or if you're in a place where you have humidity problems, you know, keeping the, the top protected with something, wax or some other form of rust inhibition thingy. Or if you're hairy uh, like Mark and Matt. Or yeah. if you're hairy like Mark and Matt. It's always better to be smooth. It is. It makes things glide, if you know what yeah. I mean. No, oh, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> no. More aerodynamic. Oh. That's it. Okay, you're done. Good. I'm done. <laughs> Please cut me off. <laughs> okay, Before let's talk about Rockler. <laughs> Kill me now. 
All right. Well, believe it or not, that does it for us today. Uh, Remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler, family owned since 1954. Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use that code WOODTALK, it's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. And remember to head over to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a convertible benchtop router table. Woo! Hope I win. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I can't, I can't wait. I'll have to buy a router. I can't wait. It'll be life-changing, Shannon. Just put your router plane in there. Boom. Done. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's there all I need. Uh, great. I need to add plenty of dust collection, though. That's that's the cool part. Very important. <laughs> well, folks, as you as you can see, we're into our kind of new format here, and it's all reliant upon your questions. So please send us questions. We need them, or we have nothing to talk about on the show, um, or we just end up talking about what we want to talk about, and then the show gets an explicit rating and all mm-hmm. that bad stuff. Waxing. Happens. <laughs> yeah, stuff. we talk about waxing, and nobody wants mm-hmm. to hear that. So. <laughs> Please send your questions. Uh, you can go to woodtalkshow.com. Um, there's a form to fill out there. You can go to Instagram or woodtalkshow there, or you can send us a voicemail, record a voice memo on your phone, send that email to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. And yeah. And if you just want to like vie for the top fan, if you want to try to beat out Mark for top fan, you can find Matt. Good luck. At Matt Good luck. On Instagram. <laughs> what? You don't need to look at the rest of us. It's all about Matt. Just go Good luck, now. suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's taking my spot. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.